0: Hi, folks. Welcome to this week's episode of the Legal Beagle podcast. We are joined by a very, very special guest this week. I have what I consider to be one of the best medical malpractice attorneys in the state of Arizona, Mr. John Auger. Welcome, John.
1: Thank you for having me, John.
0: You are you are uh, incredible. I've I've leaned on you over the years to ask you questions about medical malpractice. I know our our listeners have lots of questions about medical malpractice, so let's just dive right in. Can you, can you define what medical malpractice is?
1: Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you very much for your confidence in, in me and my firm. I really appreciate it. Uh, medical malpractice in short is where a healthcare provider does something wrong. Uh, it's just like a driver making a left-hand turn and when they're not supposed to and causing an accident, healthcare providers do the same things. And there are standards that apply that, uh, to, uh, all kinds of different healthcare surgeons, nurses anesthesiologists, OBs, uh, but they all have to obey the rules of the road. They all have to obey the rules that apply to their treatment of patients. And medical malpractice is simply when they fail to do that.
0: So if someone thinks that they had something go wrong in a surgery or in some sort of procedure, what do you look for as an attorney who represents people in medical malpractice claims? What, what, Sorts of things do they need to have for you to say this is a case that we can take forward?
1: Sure. Well, just because somebody has a bad outcome after a visit with a healthcare provider, whether it's a, a visit to a pediatrician or a brain surgery, doesn't necessarily mean that there has been medical negligence. Um, bad outcomes happen uh, in all kinds of situations where nobody has done anything wrong. Uh, there are risks involved in healthcare. There are risks involved in being a human being, and uh, just because something bad happens doesn't mean someone was negligent.
0: So let me stop you right there because that's an interesting point. Cause I hear this a lot. People say it's, it was a risk of the procedure. What does that mean? Can you, can you dive a little deeper on what that means? Risk of the procedure when bad things happen that maybe could have been contemplated as part of the, the overall procedure?
1: Sure. Well, for example, uh, let's take an abdominal surgery. Uh, the surgeon's going in to remove an ovarian cyst and there happens to be a, an un, a structure that is unexpected because it wasn't seen on CT. Uh, the anatomy of the person is a little bit different than uh, what one might expect. Uh, there is something about um, the uh, presentation that is a little bit unusual and the surgeon lacerates uh, an artery or uh, some other organ uh, unexpectedly. Um, that's not necessarily malpractice. Uh, and so that's an example of perhaps, uh, you know, a bad outcome, uh, happening when, uh, uh, without uh, anybody really having done anything wrong.
0: So I cut you off and you were kind of on the, on the way to telling me about what makes up a good medical malpractice claim. Can you go through what basic elements need to be there for you to consider taking sure. it?
1: Sure. Well, you need to have three things. Uh, first of all, you need to have a healthcare provider that makes a mistake. Uh, And that means that they didn't do something that they were supposed to do, or they did something they weren't supposed to do. Uh, The second thing is that you have to have a relationship between that mistake and a bad outcome. Uh, And so uh, not every bad outcome uh, can be attributed to a mistake. Bad things happen to people uh, even when mistakes aren't made and teasing out whether a bad outcome is a result of a mistake or a result of a natural consequence of something else. Uh, is something that you need to look into. Uh, the third thing is damages. Uh, damages in medical negligence cases need to be significant. And while anybody who's been harmed by any kind of conduct uh, is is going to have um, is going to have damages of, of some sort. Um, and I feel badly for the people that have uh, dam- been damaged as a result of medical negligence, unless they are very significant, it's not a case. and very significant means, uh, in the two hundred and fifty dollars to $300,000 range, probably just to start, under most circumstances. Um, those three stars absolutely have to come into alignment. Somebody doing something wrong, causing an injury, and significant damages. So
0: if someone thinks that they were wronged in some way during a medical procedure, surgery, what have you, and they don't necessarily understand the legal components behind that, Would you tell them to, to go online and do some, some research of their own? Would you tell them to call you and have a conversation with someone on your team?
1: Absolutely. I tell them to do both things. The internet is a wonderful resource, uh, patients and in physicians that I depose these days tell me their patients go home after a diagnosis and within 30 minutes, they know more than the diagnosing physician about that diagnosis. Uh, there are all kinds of excellent resources, uh, for patients. In general and especially those who believe they may have been harmed by negligence to get a better understanding of what's going on and what the future might hold for them. In terms of evaluating a particular set of circumstances in a medical legal context, you absolutely need a skilled lawyer to do that. Uh, You need a lawyer that's been doing this kind of work for a long time, preferably someone who is a certified specialist in injury and wrongful death claims, and who holds themselves out as doing this kind of work. Um, and the internet is a good place to go and find those types of lawyers, uh, especially if you're even, you know, a, a, a moderately sophisticated consumer, you should be able to tell from looking at the internet, the people who are actually doing this kind of work and can give you good advice about whether you have a claim.
0: What if my my wife had a procedure and and I just had some questions about whether or not it was done correctly? I don't know that I want to sue anyone. Would you say, I'm still okay to call your office and talk to someone?
1: Absolutely, I'm I'm happy to speak to anyone and I think our profession owes it to uh, consumers uh, generally to take the time to let them know whether they have a case or not. Uh, Even if they're not very confident that they do or even if it's a small case that might not off the, at least off the cuff look like it it as much. Uh, Me and my staff will take the time to talk to anybody who believes that they have been harmed by medical negligence and we will take the time to tell them at the conclusion of our interaction, whether it's at the end of a phone call, uh, at the end of looking at medical records, at the end of having them reviewed by an expert, um, whatever it may be, uh, to let them know with an exceedingly high degree of confidence that they don't have a case and the reasons why if we're not able to move forward.
0: That is, that's amazing. I I wanna pause there for a minute because there are a lot of attorneys that shy away from telling people you don't have a good claim, regardless of whether it's medical negligence or just ordinary negligence related to a car accident. And and you're telling me, you'll sit down and and tell people, look, based on our review of of everything and and the, the records that we've looked at, we don't think you have a good case and here's why. Is that safe to say?
1: I believe that a good lawyer has an ethical and professional obligation to the profession and to the community to take the time to shoot straight with a potential client. I understand that there are lawyers out there that are afraid of medical malpractice, or of legal malpractice, lawsuits, or of giving bad advice. And the code words that you'll hear are, you know, I'm too busy, uh, you know, and uh, you know, I just don't have time for your case. Well that's code for you don't have a very good claim, but it doesn't help the potential client out. It doesn't help the, the community out uh, to send them off to somebody and with some degree of hope if, if they shouldn't, and uh, if they shouldn't have that hope. And so if you're hearing something like that, um, you know, that's probably what it means, but you really need to hear from somebody who knows what they're talking about unequivocally, I don't believe that this is the case. When that happens, I always encourage folks to get a second opinion. Um, second opinions from lawyers are like second opinions from folks in every other profession. Not everybody sees the, th- the, not everybody sees things the same way that, that I do. And I don't see the same, uh, that other people see. Uh, and so it's important, I think, to get at least a few people, uh, on board. If you do have a significant claim or, uh, if you, uh, have some concerns to make sure that you've heard from a few people, uh, the same type of thing. Um, If I may just go on for a moment, you know, people who have been harmed by medical negligence, people who have been harmed by any kind of an injury have had their lives likely significantly affected in in probably more than one way. Uh, And it's important that at the end of the day, they know that they've done everything in their power, that they've done everything reasonable to pursue a claim if that's something that they wanted to do or something that they were considering. Because... If you wait too long, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to lose the opportunity to pursue a claim. And the last thing that anybody wants to be thinking about at some point in the future is, you know, gee, uh, did I have a claim and should I have pursued it once it's too late? Out
0: of 100 cases that your team uh, reviews for possible representation, how many of those will you take?
1: I think um, that uh, our intake is probably consistent with most lawyers doing this type of work based on what I hear from my colleagues, and it's around one in a hundred.
0: One out of a hundred.
1: So it takes quite a bit of time to, uh, uh, to do this kind of work. Uh, it's important work. It's important that, that we look carefully at these cases. It's, again, important for the folks that come to us uh, to know why it is that they don't have a case in those 99 times that they don't. Uh, And that's just as important as it is for us to help the folks in the one case out of 100 that we're able to take.
0: What is the expected cost? And I know this could vary greatly based on the complications of the case, but what would you expect someone to spend on a medical malpractice claim?
1: Well, first of all, uh, if you are speaking with a lawyer that wants to spend any of your own money on anything, run the other direction as fast as you can. No reasonable lawyer will require that of a client. Uh, no reasonable lawyer will put the client on the hook for any of that lawyer's costs. At the end of the day, a client could be responsible for the costs of uh, a defendant who is sued uh, and prevails. Uh, there are a lot of ways to prevent that from happening, but that is a risk and clients need to be told that upfront. In terms of what it costs someone like me, uh, the range can vary. If we are investigating a case, it may be as simple as spending a couple of hundred dollars to look at medical records before we're able to conclude and uh, that there is not a case and explain uh, with a high degree of certainty to a potential client why there is not. Uh, It may be hiring an expert witness to take a look at the medical records and offer us an opinion, Uh, and that could be maybe $5,000, maybe more than that, depending on the number of experts that you need. Uh, taking a case all the way through trial, depending on the number of experts uh, that are required, and that's the main cost in these cases, uh, is getting experts to talk about those issues that I mentioned earlier, uh, doing something wrong, a cause, and damages. You need experts on all of those things. Uh, and if you have a whole lot of experts in a case, going through trial could run you easily over $100,000, and I've heard of lawyers spending upwards of three and $400,000 on uh, on getting a case through trial. Wow.
0: We're a bit over our time for this week's podcast, but I don't want to let you go without asking you how our listeners can get in touch with you if they have questions about medical malpractice claims and just want to talk to you and get some more information.
1: Absolutely. You can type in my name on the Internet, J-O-H-N-A-G-E-R and uh, the word medical malpractice and with or without those medical malpractice words, I should be up on the first page of Google, uh, or you can call me and I'll give you my direct line is 602-648-3210.
0: John, it was a pleasure. Thanks for being on this this, uh, podcast with us.
1: John, thank you so much for having me.